Okay, we've got to turn to the Word of God, Acts chapter 27. And we've got to read for verse 10. The title of the message is Stock the Fire. Still on our foundational beliefs as a fellowship being led by the Spirit. Stock the Fire. I've got a good school story to tell you before we start. This is not found in the Bible, but we'll go for it. So I was this teacher, right? And she had just went through a course about well-being and confidence. And you can feel like when you go through a course like that, you come back thinking you're an expert. So she had in a week's course on well-being and confidence building. So it was her first day back at school, so this is really on point and theme. So she stood in front of our class and says, okay, I've just been to this course to do with confidence. I want to try a few techniques on you to build your confidence. But first, I reckon I went to a better word. If somebody's ever felt really low, like they didn't fit in, and maybe feel a bit daft sometime, can you please, somebody stand up that's ever felt like that? To our bemusement, nobody stood up. It took ages standing there. And then little Johnny, he stands up. And the teacher says, oh, Johnny, so you felt a little daft sometimes, have you? And he says, no, miss, I just couldn't have bear the thought of you standing there on your own. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Okay. Stock the fire. Something that maybe ours might have to do this winter is the prices of heating houses goes up. I'm going to give you a brief background about the fire of God, and then we're going to look at a story in Acts. Leviticus chapter 6, 13. If he was with us last week, we spoke about the temple the tabernacle that God instituted by design. They didn't just default in it. He says, look, this is how I want my tabernacle, my temple, the place has got to carry my glory for Moses has got to interact with me as a friend, as a design tip. In Leviticus chapter 6, 13, it describes this fire. And the thing it says about the fire, the one rule was that it had never to be put out, that there was always to be a burning ember and sometimes the fire would get great, and sometimes the fire would get small. But it was by God's design, a fire that would never be put out. And it was a Levitical priest's job to make sure, no matter what season they were in, in a seasonal blessing, in a seasonal drought, in a season the iron was going well, in a seasonal battle, that this fire was continually stocked, a fire that would never burn out. And we come forward to the new covenant, and John the Baptist says to Jesus, I baptize we water, but one is coming after me first. Shoelaces, I'm not worthy to tie. Sandals, I'm not worthy to tie. He will baptize you in Holy Spirit and fire. That there was a fire to be made available for God's people that had to be stocked in God's designers that would never be put out. In the Acts of the Apostles, actually, the better term for the book of Acts for me is neither Acts of the Apostles, it should be Acts of Holy Spirit, because it's really what God did through the Apostles. When we speak about the actions of man, we might think that's what they did, but when you really read it, like the Holy Spirit just apprehended the church. It says they were all meeting in one place, and it fell upon them tongues of it, tongues of fire gospel 
and we pray, Jesus set Scotland ablaze. We say, God, meet us with the fire of the Holy Spirit, a fire that's not intended to be quenched by God's people. You ever heard it about Christians? that They're just on fire for Jesus. They speak about Him. They've got a relationship with Him. There's a, a fiery element to this gospel. And it is written that God would call Himself a consuming fire. He is a jealous God. He wants us and His heart burns for His people as we spoke last week. No longer burns for a physical temple, but burns for His people. He loves you because He loves you. He's in fiery love with you. He's passionate for you. And as we get to Ken God, our hearts can feel like fire. Just a true love that burns up the dross, burns up the sin and shame, and we get set free. We've got to look at a story of just a man that was stoking a fire. So Paul has been imprisoned, and they're setting sail to Rome. He's got, they're setting sail, he's at Jerusalem, they've got to go to Rome. He's a prisoner, and he's a water set sail. And listen to us in verse 10. Let's read a few scriptures and we're going somewhere we us. There's a wind that begins to blow. And Paul says as men, he says, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. Since Fair Heavens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, further up the coast to Crete, spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. Verse 13, when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors, the professionals, thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. They gave up. My, my granda telling my story, my granda had a yole called a daisy, and he was well thought on. It wasn't just a grander story that he was a good skipper, because I'll probably tell that to my kids. I was uh, just amazing at football. Nay, really. But my grander was a really good skipper. And I mean, I'm telling my this story. Oh, it was a really beautiful morning. My grander always had a, a barometer at the door. You can find a barometer is, tells you if it's coming. And he always used to tap it. Must have made a difference to take into alignment. It was a beautiful morning when he was a skipper years and years ago. And uh, it was a beautiful morning, but he tapped a barometer, and it says that there was a storm coming. And so he had told the other skippers, look, there's a storm coming. And they said, John Eds, it's a beautiful morning. We're going to, to miss a day's fishing would have been big news. So my grandin never went out. He says, he always used to say, Kevin, look at the barometer. Tell you if it's coming. And he never went out. And they say... And my granny would say the same thing. That day, there was just a crack where things changed so quickly. 
there was Yarley's out, unfortunately, a lot of Yarley's was lost. I think it was a year that the lifeboat was lost at sea as well. My granda stayed on the shore because he had a sense that things can change quickly. Watch the barometer and prepare for it well. Here we have a story that Paul is journeying. He's in chains and say they're here, right? So they've got to mark a few stops on the map, but they're going to Rome, which is up here. And they've came from Jerusalem and he's telling them, hold on, I'm feeling that our might not end well, we might get shipwrecked. But the professional says, we're going north, there's a gentle southerly breeze, things are going well, praise the Lord, this is a good season, let's go for it. And sometimes in our life, we can just feel a gentle southern lift and we're heading north, and we think, this is it, this is the moment. Things are going well, my prayers have been answered. But the story goes that suddenly the circumstance changed beyond their control, and they're trying to head north, and as a northeastern bland them so strong and so wild and so fierce that the skipper gives up and says, we'll just have to ride us out. And it says that they lost hope. And it's a picture for me in circumstances in your life, just go out of control. And it can change in a day. One day, a gentle, suddenly breeze is pushing you along in life. And it's this as well with my soul. I'm God's friend and everything is well. Life is but a bed of roses. And then something happens that you don't feel as though you're in control of circumstances, Nehemiah, but circumstances are blowing you away. And you might have thought I was maybe so close to something good, but now I feel so far. What's a barometer? Keep your heart right. Always be prepared for circumstances going out of control. Keep close to Jesus when things are gone well. And remain in his peace, and he will be your anchor. They gave up. What a feeling to just give up on circumstances. They just thought, ah, there's no even point trying them there. You ever say that? I give up. We've said it, I give up. We try to reason with somebody and they get in there. Why? You can just think, I just give up. I'll have to go with the circumstance. And so the story goes. That they, verse 18, the next day, gale force winds continued to batter the ship. The crew began throwing the cargo overboard. This is a state of panic and emergency. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear, threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Verse 21, no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place, not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. Praise God for the words of faith. Take courage. None of you will lose your lives even though the ship will go down. That's a word for the Lord, isn't it? 
the ship has gone down. For last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You will surely stand trial before Caesar. Isn't God good? David would say, right, your trial before Caesar will go ahead. When we sing about good, good father, I don't think we would want that to happen. I would want God to say, right, I'm a good father. The prisoners are going to be lost. You'll survive and you'll never have to stand trial. You'll escape that moment that you're about to face. But here's a good father saying, take courage. The ship has gone down, and you have an appointed time and day with Caesar that you will have to stand before. What's more, God in His goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you, even the people that didn't believe in God. The prisoners, the prison gardens, now amongst our prisoners would have been awful people. But God in His goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. Take courage. For I believed God. The professionals got it wrong. The skipper got it wrong. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. Here's what I get for this. At times it feels our boat has gone down. At times it feels that the world is in chaos. The Christian will still go through the chaos. Isn't that right? Let me just give you an example. As heating bells and electricity bells go up, while the Christian go through this? Yes. Now, I got an estimate for my bell, and I said, Grace, before I opened it, before you get the estimate, that it might cost next year to get a warm house, and then you opened it, and you see the suggested fixed rate, and after you faint and pick yourself up and pull yourself together, you realize, unless something happens by a prime minister that we still don't can far it's going to be, that there seems to be, and the world just knew, we're on a ship, and it looks like it's sinking. And I believe the word of the Lord is that, yes, you will go through the same stuff, but for the people of God, the difference is we go through the same stuff. Paul was on a sinking ship, but while Abdi else was shoving out the cargo, and Paul was as hungry as the rest of them. Paul was as starving as the rest of them, and Paul was wanting some water like the rest of them. Paul was suffering like the rest of them. But the difference was, while everybody else was worried, he got a word. And the word was this, take courage. For my God stands beside me. Well, the circumstances change, and our hell breaks loose, and this ship looks like it's gone down. I have a God that stands beside me. 
And he is saying, take courage, church. I'm with you. I stand beside you. And in his goodness, we pray that he saves people through a train wreck or a shipwreck. I want to encourage you in this season of worry left, right, and center. It's very difficult to block it out entirely when it affects your life. If we need more than trusting in the politicians to really help us out, it's the Word of God. We need God to speak. More than the professionals, professionals can get it wrong. When you go to the doctor, they're called practitioners. You can't why? Because they're practicing on you. <laughs> I think it's to save from getting sued. They're near the doctors that can everything by fact, and it will go as exactly as they say. You go to a practitioner, and you're saying, I'm near will, can you practice on me? We are your knowledge. They're just practicing. And sometimes I'll get it right, and sometimes I'll get it wrong. But we have a God that is true, that is truth, that stands with us through every calamity and every storm and every ounce of bad news and every doctor's report that we do not get and every bell that we see that marks us faint. We have a God that will say, church, I am standing with you. Be reminded. Take courage. It might not go well. If the worst could happen, which is when you stop breathing, you will be with him, not to face Caesar in an appointed moment, but to face Jesus as your friend for eternity. Every problem that we have is on a time limit or it will end. Every problem that you have faced today is on a time ticking down because when you see Jesus, everything will go. We have an appointed time. And we need to believe for our generation and for our kids that the appointed time will outstrip any words or anxiety or problems, that we would hear God's strong voice, I am with you. But the world is stuck in the fire. So far do we go, they hear. So they keep going. So at the start they was here, and then they get here. So they keep going, and there's a northeastern that comes, and they get blown to an unfamiliar place. The ship goes down, Paul and the prisoners and the prison chiefs, now one of them was lost. And they ended up in Malta. Near bad place to end up after a shipwreck. But read chapter 28, Wima. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold, it was rainy. So they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks, was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him. 
on the hand. He lands in an unfamiliar place. He's cold. He's wet. He's hungry. They've lost the ship, the means to get a wafe further at. And the first thing Paul does is stoke the fire. Is to gather the sticks. Everything was coming against them that could have come against them to stop a fire. Um, they ever tried to build a fire when it's raining outside? Is it easy to do? No. But he finds it necessary to build a fire in an unfamiliar place when nothing's working against him. I want to encourage us as the body of Christ to stop the fire of the Holy Spirit even in a season that it might seem difficult to do. Fun is the time to build a fire of the Holy Spirit in your heart. The time is now. The time is now to get the sticks and to really stoke a fiery love for Jesus in your heart. And some of you have gotten saved at the latter years of your life, and you might think, oh, if I just came to church years ago, then maybe if I can't, maybe I'd be like a fiery Christian, but I just didn't care enough. Get the fire, get the sticks, get them now, even if you feel as though it's raining, even if you feel as though the circumstances are not favorable in your life to be on fire for Jesus and realize that God has appointed you to be full of His love and His mercy and kindness and be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Neither the person next to you, neither the person that's been a church member for 20 years that sits behind you, but you. If you wait for easy circumstances to get the fire of Jesus upon your life, you will probably die without the fire of Jesus upon your life. Because parents will say, well, once my kids are up and out, I'll have more time for Jesus. I'll have more time to sit in His wonderful presence and receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But you could be backslidden by that time. The time is now. And try your kids along with you. Show them for it is to carry the reality of the fire of Jesus upon your life. Paul could have said, now is near the time for the fire. Now is the time to try and build a ship to get out of here. But he knew that the structure was completely dismantled and as he was wanting was a fire. And I believe that God has sent to the church that then I look at the circumstances, the wreckage, Build a fire. Build a place that Jesus' presence is central, that is feared, that is revered, is to get excited about. Do what you can to get the sticks. Be determined. Build a fire. It's an attitude of the mind. And it's free. Hallelujah. Well, maybe if I got the job that I was praying for and it's gone well. And then I'll be a fiery Christian and other stars will align. Get on fire now. 
one of the pastor would recognize the giftings, and then I would become a leader, and once becoming a leader, then I would go on fire for Jesus, and I would lead the church in a revival, and yes, I'm on fire now. There will never be a favorable circumstance that will, you will simply step in to receiving the fire of the Holy Spirit. He does it by His grace. He does it by His mercy. But it's got to be a conscious thought in your mind. And maybe it's, I need to get up early. I don't really like this term that prayer is sacrifice. We, we sort of term it that, come to prayer meeting on Tuesday. It's a sacrifice. A sacrifice worth making. Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Speak to God as a Christian. That's your sacrifice. But we die deep. We want to have a relationship. Jesus says, our Father, right? Do you imagine if I fought my dad, Granddad Jimmy, and he says, are you coming now? And I would say, that's a big sacrifice for me to come and see you. Like, I really want to do my own thing and watch Netflix. Dad, you don't understand how you're asking of me to come and meet you. And prayer, if we really believe that God's a heavenly Father, it's our pleasure that gives Him pleasure. And it should be no sacrifice to just sit in the Lord's presence. And it's not always about how much we say and how much we want and how much we ask. Because Jesus says, when you go into the place of prayer, the reason I'm highlighting prayer is this, next there's a prayer meeting on Tuesday. I didn't see nowhere else biblically that you can stalk a fire and get sticks rather than commune with God. Only thing else outside of that looks to be phony false fire for me. If you want to be truly on fire and receive the fire of the Holy Spirit, there's no other way than to have a relationship, a simple, sweet relationship with Jesus. And last night, as I was preparing for us, I thought, right, can I see us as sacrifice? This is a privilege. And Jesus says, close the door. Go and meet your father. It doesn't say your father who hears everything by your voice will hear you. He says, your father who sees everything will see you. Not here, because we think prayer is about speaking. Get this idea when you're just sitting. That father is in the room. And you see how you just take pleasure when you're a parent or with the kids? It's your pleasure, that moment together, isn't it a sacrifice? You imagine I said to Isabel, <laughs> I'm going to sacrifice my free time, Isabel. I'm going to give you two hours a night. We'll see how that would turn out. I sacrifice my personal space for you, Isabel, and allow you to stay in this house. No, neither should we deal with God. Invade my personal space with his no sacrifice, Father. And he sees, and sometimes a God moment is just sitting 
and they're saying a thing, but it's deliberate because God, Jesus says, shut the door at this point, and you just sit, and you just say, Father, I am here. Just enjoy each other. The Word of God is handy at this point. Well, if your Bibles are waffy at that time, just, Father, I'm here to spend time with you. This isn't a sacrifice. This is privilege. This is pleasure. This is moments of intimacy. This is you making a conscious decision. I need some sticks in my life. My life is a wreck. The ship's gone down. I've no idea if it the future holds. I need Father and the Holy Spirit upon my life. I want you now, Jesus. Nay, on Sunday during a church service between half past ten and I'll let you walk quarter past twelve. It's no sacrifice to come to church. Is it? We kinda see it as sacrifice. Good day, far else would you want to be? We've got to get out of this mindset of everything I do for Jesus is a sacrifice. Because then we start thinking, he's stopping me for doing everything I want to do enough to spend time with him. But you get born again, you get saved, and you think, okay, it's no sacrifice to sit before him. And if you're new here and you think, oh, I just see, still see it as a sacrifice. I spent about 15 years 16 years thinking this is sacrifice, 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 sacrifice. And then it's to change. And then you think it's privilege. It's pleasure. It's far to get fed. It's far to get connection. It's far the fires are stoked. Not just for ministry. I just want to fake it till you make it in ministry and act like I'm a fiery Christian, but not really. You want the reality of the Holy Spirit upon your life, the real deal, whether the church grows or it decreases, whether people come, whether they dinner, it's to have those moments nobody else sees. And one tip I will give you before we close in a moment, don't take your phone. When you're what a deliberate moment, please, and I take your phone. Your phone is designed to continually get your attention. And I've seen myself, why oh, yeah, it's bad time with Jesus. And then you take your phone, and then it's bleep, bleep, oh, notification, two seconds, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, somebody's posted a photo on Facebook. I need to see us. If it's going down here, are oh, you back to Jesus? Right, oh, my God. Ping, ping, ping. Oh, hold on, two seconds, Jesus. Is my parents download games in my phone, and then I get notifications when there's updates and somebody's interacting with them. But I don't even can on the app. My phone is full of ching, 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 ching. Somebody's gifted you a treasure chest. It's part of it. It's like, wow, that'd be good if it was true. I'm back, Jesus. Ping, ping, ping. Oh, I done. You get the picture. Email, oh, James Glass, he's my boss. Wait, Jesus, I need to really respond to this. And you get back, do this. 
It's really helped me. Yeah, I would say even if the Bible app is on your phone, because you'll start reading it and then you'll get notifications. Just leave it. The thing is designed, and I'm not against phones. I mean, I've got it in my pocket. It's designed to get your attention. But I think it says something in the spirit when you say, I'm laying doing our thing because I've got to do my privilege and my sacrificial duty to stop the fires. In a place that feels uncomfortable, maybe in your family believes that you do, it's never got to be comfortable for you. But it's only why you receive the true fire of the Holy Spirit. It's only why we'll see communities changed, set ablaze for Jesus, as if the Christians are set ablaze for Jesus. You're not too old, you're not too young, you're not too poor, you're not too rich, you're not too educated, you're not too uneducated. We're without excuse. But would we stop? If I've got a heart to see, prayer meeting, especially the young men. Let me just speak to the young men for a moment. Jesus turned up and got 12 young men in a him to turn the world upside down. 20 years of coming to church and 10 years of being the pastor, the least category the young men seem to go to is the prayer meeting. And if you go to the prayer, there's a few. Gabriel still class who is young, right? Nathan as well. But through history, since I've been here, that the prayer meeting is, see, a lot of wifeys at the prayer meeting. Are they care? Maybe the men are like, hi, oh, you got the prayer meeting, honey? God bless you. Praise the Lord, says out. I get the remote. It's just, I'm not, I'm just telling you a fact. This isn't again at OMD. This is Jesus packed 12 young men, turned the world upside down. The least genre of people that we would expect in a prayer meeting is young men. When they reach out, come. Very popular with the, the ladies. But, I want to see young men fire for Jesus. And I'm the guy who said, please come, please come, please come. Maybe ask, why, why would you not? Then I think I'll wait till my kids are up and out, and then I'll have time. Now, get the fires stoked. I've been at church long enough to realize that men's ministry usually looks like, because you'll say, Kevin, expect men to go to a prayer meeting. Better wise to do it, chief. Take him my spoons. Give him a burger. Let him drink a shandy. Socialize with him. I expect him to come along. Jesus is enough. He's enough. Man, trying to entice you with a burger or a shandy. Jesus is the Son of God and the Son of Man. Son of Man became man for us, cleanse our weaknesses. See, young men, fire for Jesus. 
contending for their families and the communities between the age of 15 and 30. Young men, between the age of 15 and 41. <laughs> you hear the call? You can come. Stalk the fire. Grab that stick. Be determined that you will rise up. You're not going to settle for just being a church god and somebody that maybe dips or ten ministry every now and again. But you want to get into the reality of the presence of Jesus. The apostle Paul grabbed the wreckage and says, the one thing we must do is build a fire. Church, it's time to stalk the fire of the Holy Spirit. Back to Leviticus, a fire that will never be snuffed out. God's intention for your life is that you will carry a fire. Paul was just determined enough, disciplined enough. And I'll read you the rest of the story. Phallic stories that just end well. Verse 3, as Paul gathered an armful of sticks, Alaska worship team to come up, and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt, there was a snake, came through the fire, bit him in the hand, a poisonous snake. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. There's something about the fire of the Holy Spirit that burns up the demonic, that burns up the little snakes, that sets people free. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they'd waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds. People changed their minds quickly about you, didn't they? They thought he was a murderer. Justice has prevailed. He's going to die. Paul lives. But when they had waited a long time for him to die and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he must be a god. People change their minds quickly about you. Near the shore where he landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days as it happened. Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him. Laying his hands on him, he healed them. Remember last week we spoke about the temple? There was God's design. They had defaulted and but Jesus, warrior Jesus, came, tipped the tables, made a whip, drove him out, cleansed the temple, and then healings happened. Right? And then Abdi came on for healing. He couldn't uh, do it while it was still a marketplace. Paul comes, build a fire, miracles happen. Paul went in and prayed for him, laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. I wonder if Jesus is saying, church, stalk the fire, stalk the fire, you stalk the fire, you take responsibility for stalking your fire. Be deliberate to sit with the Father long enough to sense his fire. And you're not going to have to engineer or work up something that looks like Pentecost. But if it is on the Father, if you sit with him long enough, 
will land on you. If you're full anxiety, you sit with the God of peace, His peace will land on you. You sit with the God of miracles long enough, the miracles will land on you. All the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honor when the came to sell, people supplied us with everything needed for the trip, and they, then they went. Let's stand for a moment. We're going to bring us to a close. We've seen a journey. Remember, they started there. They're supposed to go there. And you start here. And you know, I've got my life marked out. We're just sailing on a ship. We are suddenly breeze. We'll end up there. But between the start and the end, something has curtailed you. It could be disappointment, bitterness, a circumstance beyond your control, and you think, wow, I've been windswept. Fit do I do? Fit you do is, forever you're at just new in life, you grab the sticks for the wreckage and say, God set me ablaze for you. Now that we would come to prayer meetings and say, God, set Scotland ablaze for you, as long as it doesn't affect my life, Jesus, I'm comfortable with it. But it's a pleasure that Jesus paid the price so we could approach the throne room of grace boldly. We're going to pray for the fire of the Holy Spirit again that Lauren put a request and to play the blessing for our birthday song. And we will get there and we'll take up our offerings. But I want this as a moment, if we could have a moment of complete silence. Complete silence. Because I don't want you thinking you get the fire because you've got a worship team that's capable. Because if God does something in reality, He will do it. We're going to have five minutes of complete pleasure. You shutting the door, whatever's distracting you, and saying, Jesus, I'm here. Doesn't matter about your bodily actions. Some are raising their hands out. That's okay. Some's not sure for today, and that's okay. But I'm convinced of this, that God will move in fire. And we're going to wait. I'm going to stop speaking. And then we're just going to wait and concentrate on the Father. He says it's his good pleasure to feed something within him that wants to be with you. Come, Holy Spirit. May your fire come. May you burn up the anxieties, the cares in our hearts as we take a moment to stoke the fire. Jesus, be ablaze in our lives. Glorify your name at this moment of holy ground. May the fresh wind blow. May we feast fresh manna for heaven. In Jesus' name.
when was the last time you heard that? The sound of silence. They come often. And I'm lose this moment and they said people are feeling something and they're feeling one thing. Just then I lose a sense of holiness and pleasure that the Father gets from these moments. True love is being able to sit in silence with somebody and it may be an awkward. If I'm in a car journey with Isabel, it's okay to be silent. We are stranger. It's like a motor move. We've got to keep speaking. It's okay to be silent. God does the deepest work sometimes. Silence. Sometimes during this moment, the Holy Spirit giving gifts to the church can be made manifest. And we get a word for somebody else, a prophetic picture. As we said at the start, while the world is weary and panicking, we want God to speak. Maybe you've got a word for somebody else in here, then if they will worship, feel free to go and speak to them. Jesus. God, I pray for the fire, the reality of the Holy Spirit to be stocked in hearts as we have came before you to a deliberate moment of sitting in your lap. God, we're done with religion. We're done with just turning up to church on a Sunday and that's everything that encapsulates this Christian life. But if you have got a fire, Jesus, that doesn't want to be put out through every circumstance, every trial, every torment, and every mountaintop experience, every answered prayer that would be a fire residing within the people of God, then we say, God, would you let that fire burn, 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 burn. And may a passion for Jesus rise up within us that would lead us into the secret, sweet place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing the blessing. <laughs>